Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. On today's episode, we have, I'm going to, I know her first name is super easy to pronounce. I'm going to try really hard with the last name, Tina Parole. That's perfect. You did. All right, cool. So I'd like to introduce Tina Parole. She is, uh, her and I have gotten to know each other a little bit behind the scenes. Um, She has scoliosis. She was diagnosed many years ago and she has recently had surgery, and she is a songwriter and singer, and she is here to tell us her journey with scoliosis and where she is now. Tina, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Can you share with us how old you were when you were diagnosed? Yeah, I was 11 when I was diagnosed. Okay, and and what happened at that time? So, I grew up in Buffalo where there were a lot of winters and I always wore like big sweatshirts, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, cause I was always cold. Um, so this one particular winter when I was around age 11, um, I just shot up in height. Like I grew crazy amount of inches in a couple of months, but because I was wearing baggy clothes all the time, my parents didn't really see anything wrong with my spine. They couldn't tell. Um, and then we had a check at school and the nurse was like, your daughter, you know, has scoliosis, told my parents. And um, so then I went to see an orthopedic doctor back home and was diagnosed. Okay. And and what happened? Do you remember what happened when you were diagnosed with the orthopedic? Um, they took x-rays and sat me down and they were like, okay, you know, let's, let's get you braced as soon as possible. Like they were very proactive in that. Okay. I know sometimes people can wait or they try PT, but they immediately just wanted me in a brace as soon as possible. Okay. And were you in pain when you were originally diagnosed or during any of that time? I didn't have a ton of pain yet. No. I mean, I I felt uncomfortable, but I wouldn't say I had pain. Okay. And then what happened moving forward? So I am just one of those people always been really type A kind of organized. And I, you know, very much so wore my brace. Like I was I was diligent about it. I only took it off to shower, but you know, over the course of a few years, it it would stop my progressions, and then they'd get worse. So it'd stop it, and they'd get worse. So, um, you know, there was definitely also like a psychological impact, I think, because you know, when you're vulnerable as a, a preteen and teenager to begin with, um, you know, you're in middle school and just trying to fight, figure out who you are and make friends. And mm-hmm. I definitely felt like the odd man out. I felt like a right. different person than my peers because no one else wore a back brace. Um, so that was challenging and, you know, would get made fun of by certain kids, which, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, wow, they were just really mean. But when you're, you know, 12 years old, that really, really can affect you deeply. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, there was definitely a lot of trials early on, like right after I got diagnosed, it was kind of like, bam, bam, bam. Okay. And did you, how, did you have just one brace for the duration or did you have to get multiple braces? No, I was, I was growing. So I had about three braces done a year. Um, they wow. would change my braces out significantly and, and quickly because the curve was changing and shifting. Okay. Okay. So they and, had to keep up with that. Okay. And do you remember the names of these braces? I don't. Okay. I want to say Boston brace, but I'm not okay. positive. Yeah. Okay. It clasped in the back. Okay. Okay. And then, so you were diagnosed at 11 and how old were you when you got the brace? It was immediately after that? I would say about three to six months after that. Okay. I, feel like I remember getting diagnosed around winter time and by that summer I had had a brace. Okay. And how long did you have to wear the braces for? So I wore the brace until I was about 16 and a half. Okay. Um, and then my doctor said I could take it off and I was like, Yahoo. Um, and I moved from Buffalo down to, um, Terrytown, New York, a different part of New York state. So I switched high schools and I kind of like, just didn't even talk about it. Like I, I didn't let people know I had it. I just like, I wanted to emerge like a new, mm -hmm. a new person, okay. you know? And then what happened? So after that, um, I didn't really have a ton of pain. Okay. And now knowing what I know now, my curve wasn't as bad as it was, you know, when I hit my thirties. So I Do you remember of, what it was at that time. It was in the low fifties. It was like 51, 52. Okay. So it was still considerable curve, but my orthopedic doctor back home said, you know, I don't know that you need surgery right away, especially if, you know, you're not in pain and it doesn't appear that your curve is impacting any organs. So it's mm -hmm. kind of lower. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just said, okay, then let's just, I kind of pushed it and, 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 you know, swept it under the rug, Okay. which in retrospect was definitely a defense mechanism. And I shouldn't have done that, but, you know, I was 18 years old. I had just gotten into NYU and, um, you know, moved to the city and, and went to NYU and studied music business and music production. And I wanted a record deal. And I had like my eyes on all these goals and, mm -hmm you know, my summer after college, I ended up getting a record deal. Um, yeah. So then it was, you know, make your album, go on the road, go on radio tour, press, like do all these things. And the, my back just became like, I put it at the back of my mind and I knew strategically how to dress to cover it up and just kind of ignored it. And, and you were or were not in pain during that time? I started having pain around the time that I went on tour because, okay. you know, you're jumping around stage all night and you're on planes every day or in a van or on a bus and you're, you know, just kind of sleeping wherever and, and you're not on a schedule and, you know, not taking care of yourself. Touring is really hard on the body, especially at that level where you're not like, you know, huge superstar, yeah. but you're kind of up and coming and everything's budgeted. So, um, I definitely noticed like, oh, this is okay, uncomfortable, but I'd get, I'd get some sleep and I was fine the next morning. You know, I was still really young. I was 20. Um, yeah. How I'm going to interrupt for a second. How, what year was this when you were 20? This was 2008. Yeah. 2008 and 2009, I was touring. A lot. Okay. And, and nobody, the orthopedics, nobody said physical therapy, Schroth. No, I never heard any of that. 
from anybody. And honestly, I think at that point I was so excited that some of my dreams were coming true and had been through so much trauma Mm -hmm. with my back in my youth that I just ignored it. I didn't go to doctors. Like I was very, just not responsible when it came to what I had. Um, And obviously I look back and regret that, but that's just who I was at that time. Okay. And then, so you went on tour and you noticed that your back started to get worse Mm -hmm. and you're a singer. I have personally heard you sing. Um, how did that impact your singing? Um, you know, or I did never, it. It didn't. I never felt like it did until I had surgery and then recovered and my lungs had more room. And now I'm like, oh my God, like hitting these notes is easier than it used to be. Like, like I don't, it's not like my range has changed or gotten, you know, higher or better or lower, but it's like the act of singing just isn't as physically intense as it used to be. So I guess I just didn't know. Okay. And they, nobody even gave you breathing exercises when you were diagnosed? Nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing. And so how long was it before you had the surgery? A while. Um, I'm 34 years old and I had the surgery when I was 33. Okay. Um, Right before my birthday. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I waited. I waited a long time. I I honestly was terrified of surgery, you know, because it's surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, at that point, I did in my mid twenties, I discovered Shroff and PT, which was really helpful for a lot of a lot of my you know mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, it did the job. Like it got rid of pain and it helped me with breathing exercises and all that. Um, you know, and it just hit a point where, okay, this is, this isn't enough anymore. Like doing shroff every day isn't enough anymore. And, you know, every, every year or two, I would get my back x-rayed like Mm -hmm. once I started shroff to keep up with it. And for a while it wasn't progressing. And then around age 31, it started progressing. Um, you know, albeit not a ton, but like a, a degree or two a year is significant when you're in your early thirties, knowing, you know, God willing, you have a long life. Right. So, um, just kind of sat down with my husband and I was like, well, I guess I have to do this. And he's like, you have to do this, you know, and, um, through some good friends just found an awesome surgeon here in Tennessee and, you know, went for it. Like I booked the appointment, I think, I saw the surgeon, I met with a couple surgeons, but when I picked the one I wanted, you know, surgery was on the books five weeks later. So it was just like, that's it, decision made. And I'm just that type of person. Like I collected the data, you know, I saw what was happening to my body and I decided I had to do something about it mm-hmm. before it was too late to do something about it, you know, mm-hmm. or before, you know, surgery could have been worse, God forbid, you know, yeah. something could have been more complicated. So you know, I just had to face reality at that point. Like in my early twenties, I didn't want to face reality, you know, by mid twenties, I accepted it, started doing more for it. Okay. Working out PT, Shroth, you know, and then by my late twenties, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know. Something's feeling, feeling, feeling a little different. different. Yeah. So it, it just, and visibly I could see it. Like I could see okay. things were misaligned more than ever. And it was just time to get something, you know, get it done. And, and what did you, what did you anticipate it was going to be like after the surgery? You know, I, 
I had some post-surgical complications, which didn't have anything to do with my surgery or my surgeon. Um, you know, my lung collapsed, like things like that happen sometimes, um, especially when they're correcting a severe curve. And, you know, that was really scary. Do I you guess remember, I, sorry, pardon? I was gonna say, do you remember what your curves were just before surgery? My curve before surgery was 88 degrees. It was huge. That's so, and because it was in my mid body, mm -hmm. my shoulders were even, my hips were even. So like you, if I wore certain clothes, you couldn't see it. Yeah. But post-op, I gained four inches in height. I was not expecting that. I was expecting to gain like two inches. Okay. But when they measured me and said four, I was like, say what? Like, <laughs> and then I stood up and like, my husband's completely like different vantage point. Like my house, everything looked different. It was just bizarre, bizarre. It's wild. I um, never, it's like the things you don't think about post-surgery yeah. and gaining. You're like, wait a minute, that used to be at nose height and now yeah. it's at eyebrow height. And yeah. you're like, how'd that happen? Like I have these cubbies in my mudroom and I walk by and I used to have to jump to see like what was in them, like mm -hmm. on the shelf. And now I just like walk by and can see it. So it was very strange. Things. Yeah. Um, but like with the lung collapse, I was prepared to rehab my back. Again, very type A person, goal focused, mm -hmm. but I was not prepared to rehab my lungs. And I think that's when I, re I realized, you know, with any medical procedure, you just never know. I was completely terrified. I mean, the night before I was, sh I mean, just shivering with fear, like talked to my cousins and some of my, you know, best friends and just, I felt catatonic. Like I was just like, oh my God, like as, as much as I knew in my gut, I had to do this. I knew I was a hundred percent sure. I was terrified, completely terrified. The surgery ended up being nine and a half hours. Okay. It was supposed to be six hours, but you know, they, they took their time to do everything very diligently is what mm -hmm. they would, you know, they told my husband and I'm glad they did. Um, but it was, it was rough. Like it was rough on me. It was rough on him. Like he was apparently just in the waiting room, nine and a half hours, just like waiting, just, I mean, I can't imagine that because to me, it all feels like such a quick blur. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it was really scary, but and I had very kind nurses and doctors. I will say that they were really great. How long were you in the hospital for? Um, I was in the hospital for 10 days. Okay. But that's because I had a lung collapse two days post-op. Okay. So I was there a while. Um, and then when I got home, I fainted two days later and okay. had to take an ambulance back to the hospital, which was not fun when your spine is post-op because you feel everything. Yeah. And that was terrifying. So we didn't know why I fainted. They did some tests. Um, I ended up having fluid built up on my spine that they had to pull. Um, How did they do that? Via a needle. Like I was okay. awake and then you pull you, pull you on your side and you stick a needle in and drain. And, you know, then they kept me for six more days for observation because they were testing the fluid to make sure there was no bacteria, God forbid. Okay because then it could have been something more serious. But what had happened was I was just stretched out so much. Mm -hmm. My torso like gained four inches, but there's all this new room. And my body was like, well, 
there's all this room, let's fill up with fluid because we don't know what to do with this room. Like literally okay. that's what happened. Um, so it was, it was quite a journey. So they kept mm -hmm. me, thank God there was no bacteria. So then I got to go yeah. home. When I got home, I still wasn't breathing normally. I was like, something's wrong. Saw a pulmonologist. He discovered 900 milliliters of fluid on my right pleural cavity collapsing my other lung. So that was like, okay. So wow. then I had to have that pulled. Okay. While you're awake, it's called a thoracentesis via a needle. So it's been quite a journey. And again, that's, that's I think a big, thank you, had to be, you know, I think a big yeah. part of why this recovery was, was so intense and had complications was because I did wait too long. Like I did let the curb get so bad, mm -hmm. but it was a very intense surgery. Again, that created all this new room in the torso that then the fluid would fill up, but they were, those were some of the hardest days of my life. Some of the most painful, just you know, not anything I expected, but you know what? I would do it all over again. Like the way I feel today, the strength I have, I have no pain. Like, you know, thank God, hope that continues. Like, it's just been, I, I don't regret doing it. Like, I wish I did it sooner. I really do. How long was your recovery process once you got home? Once I got home, it was in, it was in stages. I didn't have a typical recovery because you know, 10 days in the hospital because of the first lung collapse. Then I had, you know, two days at home, fainted, went back. They drained the fluid off the spine. I started feeling better, didn't faint anymore. Mm -hmm. But then it took a couple weeks to see a pulmonologist and for them to drain the fluid. So, I mean, it was kind of in stages, right? But like after like three and a half, four months, you really start feeling like, oh, this is why I did this, you know, like, Oh, this is this why is I how, this. This yeah. is how I dreamt of feeling my entire life. Yeah, like I don't remember the last time I took Tylenol, you know, like or Advil or something, and I had to do that all the time pre-op. Okay, and and how is it? I know that we met a few months ago, and I remember you shifting because it was so uncomfortable. How is it now for you sitting? It's great. No, Honestly, no, like, no shifting. No shifting. I feel this inner just strength now and I'm very I'm one of those people who works really hard at PT like I have a great physiotherapist and I go frequently and I, I work out at home and as soon as I'm you know able to I'm gonna join a gym it's just I've been lazy about doing that but I need to do that like I just feel very I feel strong and I feel like I'm really able to just okay this is the body I have now mm -hmm this shouldn't be going anywhere because it's all fused and metal and now I can just strengthen what I have and it's given me a quality of life that I don't remember ever having I was just going to ask you what's the what in a way what challenges have you come across since like living this life now but it seems like you you don't have any I mean challenges in the sense of there's a lot of trauma going through surgery, going through all the complications. Mm -hmm. Like I'll drive by a hospital and like my heart raises, like it's not my favorite place in the world, even though it did change my life um, for the better. But I, you know, there are things that I know 
I won't ever do the same. Like when I drop something on the floor, I squat down to pick mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is even without having surgery, it is the way we should move to pick something up. That's what I've been told. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So it like, took surgery for us to be, figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one of the biggest, like if I unload the dishwasher, it's squatting, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the laundry, whatever it's squatting down. But I also took surgery very seriously. Like I knew I knew that I needed surgery about five months before I actually had surgery. Okay. Um, so I, and I was interviewing doctors and whatnot. So I went hardcore. I've always been one to work out, but I went hardcore and I cannot stress enough to whatever ability you're able to. And with the guidance of a professional, mm-hmm. try to work. If you're having scoliosis surgery, work out beforehand as much as you can. Like I did you know, yoga, Pilates, lifted light weights. I did a ton of cardio. I just wanted to go in to surgery, like a little tank. I wanted to be completely prepared, like just have all my muscles as strong as possible because I knew I would have to be rehabbing my body. Um, And they say for every day you've been in the hospital, you know, it can take three days to gain the endurance you lose in one day in, in bed, right? And I was in the hospital like 19 days when it all was said and done. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think working out, having a fit life, like that's, it's important for anyone, right? But especially for people like us, like people who have scoliosis or whether they're pre or post-op, I just think it's, it's a big part of, of feeling good, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to just add physically, hands down, but also mentally, you know, right. because like you said, the psychological trauma of this surgery and the word scoliosis and having scoliosis, there's a lot to take in on that. So right. to be able to change that and refocus it and be and feel empowered with working out, with doing Pilates, with running, with whatever that your physical activity is, it helps to deburden the stress of the psychological parts of scoliosis and the surgery. 100%. I yeah. mean, there are studies that show 20 to 30 minutes of high intensity cardio a day, you know, is as effective as taking a low dose antidepressant. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Just building up, you know, you know your endorphin level, serotonin yeah. level, and just feeling accomplished. Like, okay, I just did that. I just rode the bike for an hour. I just did this or went on this walk, like went on this hike. Like it, that sense of accomplishment yeah. I think is very fulfilling. Yeah. Or swing a mace 200 times. Or swing a mace. I'll get there one day. Start with your broom, start with your broom. Okay. <laughs> but, um, and how is it? So you mentioned this a little bit, but how is it now with singing? You, you like, are you able to build a deeper breath? I, I'm obviously, I'm not a singer. It's not my language, but how did, I mean, the diaphragm expansion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, because I had both my lungs collapse, it took a little while, but I honestly feel stronger and better than I ever have when it comes to that. Like, I just feel everything's balanced. Everything feels where it should be. And, you know, I started writing again, recording again, and it's mm-hmm. been really great. Like, yeah, I'm and very will you, happy. With it. Will you be going on tour? I don't know that I'll be going on tour. The way I kind of do things now, you know, I, I like to travel, but I like to travel on my own time. Um, I do love playing shows though. I'm playing some shows this year, but, um, I did write an EP 
you know, cause they say, write what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote an EP that was completely inspired by What's an my EP? scoliosis and my surgery. Um, an EP, it just means like, it's not a full LP album. It's like, four oh, songs. okay. Okay. Um, so I'm releasing this EP called I am a fighter on June 3rd. Oh no, sorry. The single will be out June 3rd. The EP will be out, uh, end of August, but it's, it's a collection of five songs. They're all inspired by, you know, this journey um, and whatever it earns, I'm going to give a portion to Music Health Alliance, okay. um, which is an organization in Nashville. I'm on their board of directors and um, yeah, they've, they've done incredible things for, you know, my life and just the life of countless musicians around the country and also to World Spine Outreach, which is an organization that helps pay for scoliosis surgeries in parts of the world where orthopedic care, orthopedic surgeons are not bountiful, right? Okay. Um, so that's kind of the, the goal with this is, is to hopefully raise some money through this music for these charities and just, you know, spread some positive music out there about, you know, this struggle, but it can really be, it's not just for people with scoliosis, you know, it's for anyone going through anything. I, I have some friends who are dealing with cancer right now and, I sent them the songs and they were like, this is so great. This is like boosted me. And just hearing that was like incredible. You need. Yeah. You yeah. So, you know, if this stuff, if this music can, can really reach anybody mm-hmm. that is going through anything, whether it is scoliosis or scoliosis surgery or anxiety and depression or cancer or, you know, whatnot, just yeah. trying to figure out who you are, whatever it's it life. is, like, life like I'm that's kind of the goal of this and okay just hope that it can reach a lot of people and and you said this song in particular is coming out June 3rd June 3rd it's called I am a fighter Mm -hmm. and that's perfect because that just speaking on our language of scoliosis June is scoliosis awareness month exactly and it's perfect timing it's perfect timing I didn't even plan that it just kind of happened but then when I realized this is Scoliosis Awareness Month. I was like, wow, okay, this is meant to be. So, and 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 how how is life? What do you look forward to now? What do you see in the future of your life living in this new body with an extra four inches? With an extra four inches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like six feet tall in heels. It's crazy. Um, I I love to travel. You know, my husband and I like to hike. That's something I'd like, you know, us to do some more of this year, just because toward the end of my, you know, I guess pre-op journey, I wasn't really able to do as much hiking as I wanted. So that's mm-hmm. something that's on our radar, just traveling and putting out some more music, you know, and, and just getting the word out there about scoliosis. Like I've really learned to embrace it and see it as like a beautiful part of my journey, as opposed to something I ran from and hid out of shame or just fear or you know whatnot and I hope to I really hope my story inspires people I really do like I just it's been a really really hard road really hard road um and I had so many stories of people like your own that I looked up to and that got me through Mm -hmm. you know like I would I would text you you were so awesome and thank you again for doing that meeting these incredible people who've gone through what I was about to go through, it just gave me 
a sense of camaraderie and peace. Um, Less isolation. Yes, and it's hard to explain it unless you've been there. And I think people who have, you know, are in the cancer community or are in, you know, whatever other communities with health ailments, I think they all find each other and there's so much love and generosity between um, that it helps carry you forward. It really does. So like- And there's no judgment. Never, yeah. So if my story can be, you know, be that for someone the way all these great stories were for me like Mm -hmm. that would be a great honor and what would you tell the little tina who is now the adult tina Mm -hmm. what would you tell that little girl when she was first diagnosed oh don't make me cry um i would (laughs) tell her (laughs) not my intention (sighs) yeah i would just tell her to keep fighting because it's going to get better and I, I will say that in meeting you in person months ago, you are just a force. Thank you. You are a force who is driven to find the best results. And that is shared with your songs, which I have also heard. Um, and if people want to reach you, they can go through on Instagram under Tina Parole, correct? Yeah, Tina Parole, T-I-N-A-P-A-R-O-L. Um, and I, you know, if anyone has questions about the scoliosis journey, um, what I went through, you know, just DM me. My DMs are open, you know, to anyone who may need need to chat about it. And and I will say, speaking from personal experience, uh, Tina, like myself, is an open book. Um, we did share some of the challenges that she was going through. So please feel free to message her. And Tina, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story, your journey. Um, because I, there's only one other person that I have spoken with who is a singer who had scoliosis, who had surgery. And the challenges that she dealt with are similar to yours, but it's, um, it's just nice to hear the final outcome because of the breathing impact that scoliosis had and then has been uh, dismissed, if you will. Right, right. So um, I, I thank you. Thank you for, for telling oh us gosh, and sharing this. And of course, and, thank you for having me. Like I absolutely, I just, like I said, I just hope that this can help inspire some people and know that if, you know, whether you choose to have surgery or not, there are tough days, especially post op but they get better. Like it really does. Like it may, you may not see it day to day, but you'll see it week to week. And it really is, you have to keep notes. I think journals are wise. That helped me a lot. Just, I I didn't write like a huge, you know, paragraph, but I'd be like, okay, today I did this, today I did this. Like it definitely helped me keep my mind on track, Mm -hmm. you know, when I had tough moments and I cried and I sobbed and I screamed and was pissed off and was angry and all of the above but like I said despite all the challenges I would do it again because it really helped my life in more ways than I knew and that is keeping it real and that is a key to this journey about keeping it real right so I'm going to say again if anybody has any questions about scoliosis and being fused or not being fused just having surgery, you're not sure, reach out to Tina. She is happy to answer any questions. She is happy to share her story with you. And Tina, 
Thank you. Thanks for being a guest on the Scoliosis podcast. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.